Jackie and Greg Dykus, as well as Brian Umbach, uh, head brewer here at Field Brewing. Thanks, you guys, for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Start you. off with the cheers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. definitely. And congratulations on the, the medals here recently. <laughs> Great accomplishment. Thank you very much. Feels good. Well, one of my favorite jump-off points uh, for any of these episodes is to always talk about the origin story. Uh, now, I know you guys have a healthcare background. You have a homebrewing background. I would love to just get an idea of how field brewing came about for those that may be unfamiliar with your story. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I'll run with that a little bit. I'd like to share it. Uh, you know, probably about 12 years ago is probably a significant turning point, I think, for Greg and I when we started just contemplating an idea like this. We lived out in Seattle for a year. Um, part of his training, we were out there, and his schedule was really demanding. So it came this time where we had these little pockets of windows that we tried to make the most of what we could have. And we'd go out to these. We'd go on for long hikes first, and then we normally end up at a local brewery. And each brewery there kind of represented the little area you were in in Seattle, and it had its own personality. And um, I think everything in Seattle also for us felt intentional behind whether it was the beer they produced or the food you got on the plate. Um, and I don't know if it's because we just really enjoyed being together and we really needed the, that family time or if it was a combination of that between the elements of the, you know, the intentional craft beer and, and things like that. So I think part of it, we felt like the Seattle community and we'd only been there a year and that we felt amazing. Um, so that was a, a turning point just with that. I think we walked away from that experience feeling like, um, how can we create something like that when we came back to Indianapolis? This was 12 years ago. The food scene here and the beer scene has like taken off taken since off. then. So but at that time, we this felt like a whole new experience in Seattle for us. So to come back here, we, it depleted, deflated us a little bit. Um, Greg really took off with home brewing more. Um, I'm very passionate about the food side of things. I think I've wanted to own a smoothie shop since I was in high school. Um, so the food side, I, I definitely appreciate that element of it and really just feeling like we have an intentional place where people can gather and come together and really feel like they're part of a community. Um, it take people away from maybe whatever is going on in their own lives and feel like they can just take time out with us. And I think that's largely what we felt like we gained from that Seattle experience and we came back feeling like, um, how can we do something like that um, here? Uh, Kind of, we had a lot of car conversations about this and, you know, dreaming type the element. And then we went to uh, Cincinnati for a day and that's where we met Ryan. Um, okay. I knew Ryan from actually our younger days, but um, we ended up connecting again at a, a brewery event actually in Seattle or in Cincinnati. Um, and that really took kind of the, the next step. I think we walked away from that experience like uh, it was a sign. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we just need to be doing this because we feel like, like Ryan felt like he was the guy, you know, the person that could make this really come to life for us. And boy, has he taken off with that. I mean, we're really proud of our beer and um, the way things have evolved since then. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, creativity is a hallmark of this space, and you kind of see that in some of the names. Now, I know, Ryan, you guys have your five flagship beers, which Reunion is definitely my favorite. Um, but when it comes to naming your beers, what goes into that dialogue with you guys? Is it something you guys all, as a collective, kind of brainstorm with, or is it something, hey, let's just throw stuff up against the wall, see what stick. I'll tell you what, so we've done it, we've done it several ways. Um, the hardest way to do it is say, okay, here's a beer, let's name it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like painful. Um, but the best ideas come when we're just kind of sitting around talking, driving in the car, whatever. But the, the a lot of times, so we, we get inspiration from, you know, the local community, we get the inspiration from Ryan. Ryan loves kind of taking a beer and, and breaking it down into its parts and then deriving a name from that. Um, so we, we kind of get names from everything. 
Now, everybody has their unique story that brought them to tasting a craft beer for the first time. Uh, when I was in college, you weren't paying $12 for a case of beer, right? You, you find that one craft, and for me, it was like Fat Tire. That was the first time I tasted something, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's really different. What was the first craft brew that kind of hooked you that said, hey, maybe this is going to be a, a bigger part of my life someday? Uh, when I was 21, I was working a microbrew festival for the first time. Um, I didn't even know they existed. I went to a microbrew fest, was told, hey, you volunteer, you get to pour beer, you get to drink beer. I was like, hey, that sounds great. Um, the moment I brought uh, Stone Brewing Company's um, Arrogant Bastard Ale to my mouth, uh, it was like an epiphanic moment. Um, I heard angelic choral music. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize beer could taste like that, look yeah. like that, smell like that. It was something I've never experienced before. Um, up until then, I was drinking uh, some imported beers, you know, Samuel Smith, um, Nut Brown, stuff like that. But that moment that I... I still reflect on that a lot. Like, uh, it's still one of my favorite beers to this day. Strong one, too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great. Um, the variations are okay, but the original Arrogant Bastard Ale is always going to be hands down the one beer that just pulled me in, roped me in. I ran home and told my wife that day. <laughs> I said, I want to do this. I need to make this. I need to figure out how to make this beer. So, and that's pretty much what I did. <laughs> how about you guys? Bells was the one for me. Bells. Yeah. First one was Oberon. And that was, that was my probably my first craft beer, and that moved to Bell's Too Hearted, and that's my go-to right now. Um, and then, so then they also did Hop Slam, and I remember Hop Slam was the first kind of the pushing the limit of over-the-top hops, and then and then everything took off from there. Yeah, I discovered Bell's when I started traveling through Michigan, yeah. and Too Hearted was definitely my go-to when I was up there. How about you, Jack? Any, any specific ones yeah, for you? Yeah, for sure, Gumball Head. Gumballhead. Yeah, <laughs> that was the one. Yeah. I'd be seeking it out wherever I would go, yeah. I remember going, to, I would plan my trips from Chicago back to Indy on, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday to go through Munster when I can get zombie dust and yeah. Gumballhead <laughs> yeah. at, at their little place yeah. there. Uh, so that's those are some fun memories. Well, that's great. Well, uh, I love the aesthetic you guys have Thank at you. this place. When you go into a brewery, a lot of what you see is a lot of oak, a lot of, a lot of dark wood. Here you guys have a tremendous amount of windows. Your labeling is very, you know, unique as far as being bright colors. Yeah. What went into that aesthetic? Was there any inspiration that you drew? Maybe some from the Pacific Northwest That's that, exactly that you it. brought back here? For sure. We wanted to bring in the Pacific Northwest. We're outdoorsy people. Um, so very much we wanted it light and bright to bring the outside inside as much as possible, especially in Indiana when we've got half the year where sure. we feel like we're, uh, it's really cold and you're kind of trapped inside. So, yeah, it, we were very intentional with wanting to have it light, bright, and open. Um, we call this our campus kind of where you can freely move around and you just feel like you can take in the whole campus at any time fantastic well i think this uh as we were talking earlier you know the indiana brew scene is very much a community um if you had to drink one of your peers' beers other than your own here within indiana who would it be and why uh i love gunman house just because i love the people i, I love the family um they're just great genuine people and I love the beers that they do. Um, I love the story that they have. Um, so I would, I would definitely say them. Um, I have a great relationship with them. Uh, probably second from that would be Primeval. You know, you were mentioning yeah. those guys earlier. Uh, they're good guys too, um, and I like their beers. Yeah. How about you guys? Yeah, I definitely feel that way about Beer Brewery. Yeah. I feel like they've got a. I feel like they've always been a go-to resource for some solid beers. Yeah. Taxman for me. Sweet. Yeah. You know. Belgian isn't my go-to beer style, but I like what they're doing with some of the barrel-aged stuff they're doing. The, the IPAs are really good. Right on. 
Well, I know, uh, you know, you guys have won some awards. You got your staples, uh, having a home brewing background. I always like asking this question because there's obviously successes that are obviously evident in your lineup that you serve to the day to day, but there has to be something that you maybe thought of that was maybe dead on arrival or tasted good or looked good on paper more or less, but turned into a failure dead on arrival. What's a fun story about something that maybe was a failure that turned into success or something that you just won't try again because it just failed? That's a, that's a good question. The one I'm thinking of kind of plays into the naming aspect that we just talked about, but Ryan's first swing at a hazy wasn't so hazy. So that inspired the name. We called it Partly Cloudy. But nice. uh, but that was, I mean, but it was still a great beer, you know? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a solid IPA. It just didn't have the look that yeah. everyone expects right. with a hazy. Um, we brewed a, a rye beer once that I didn't think turned out the way I wanted it to, taste-wise. So I decided to doctor it up with some coconut and lime, and uh, it became yada yada, uh, which was another play onto the names. Um, after I added coconut and lime to it, it tasted exactly what I wanted. So it was good. Do you remember the Seinfeld episode? Oh sure. Yeah. Oh sure. Seinfeld's <laughs> well, we, my favorite show. Well, we, we started oh. brewing a beer and yada yada. yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like there was that uh, taco restaurant Moe's when they first came out. They had John Tacos in. They had all these references to Seinfeld. Yeah. I love those references you can get away with without some trademark stamp or yeah. cease and desist that comes with that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's fun. Well, that's just that's kind of a hallmark of the creativity, right? As you Absolutely. start something, it does taste and throw some fruit on it or throw some spices and it comes out comes out clean. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I do in my day to day as a as a as a wealth advisor is, you know, I try to educate, guide, and counsel clients that there's just four challenges to, to building wealth, right? And most oftentimes, I just get people organized. That's the first step. That if I do anything for anybody, I just get them organized. As it pertains to you guys in the brewery business, what are some of the challenges that you guys see, both in the short term and long term? That could either be opportunities, strengths, or maybe some dangers that you see coming out of what we just experienced in 2020. Yeah, good question. Um, I think for us, for us, 2020 kind of pushed us more toward um, distributing earlier than we anticipated. Um, I think our, our initial plan was just to go slow and steady, right? Just kind of experiment a little bit, uh, tweak tweak the brewing process on our system, um, and just kind of see what what beers worked and and go from there where when people stop coming in the, and and we were going to use this facility as the testing ground right right but when that when people stop coming in the door for several reasons um it kind of pushes us to kind of get the beer out more so i think that's our challenge kind of moving forward um we're getting more into um distributing and canning so canning seems to be a consistent uh point of discussion as of late when i've sat down with guys is that you know as Dave Cole said, COVID taketh and COVID taketh away. <laughs> but like I sat down with the Pax boys and they're canning, they're building a new canning facility, but some places there's supply chain issues with getting mm-hmm. stuff yeah. to it. So how has you guys canning experience been as of late? Is it something that you've had some roadblocks with or are you doing all right with it? Yeah, getting the cans can be a challenge, but if we, if, I mean, if we just plan ahead, it's all about, you know, just like anything else, proper planning, right? Um, if we plan ahead, it takes eight weeks to get, a, to get an order of cans in if we're prepared for it that's fine yeah during yeah. covid there was a growler shortage though there was that that got yeah. i mean it got tricky when we yeah, that's our, everyone made that switch yeah so I, I feel like there's definitely been changes throughout that the year well i, I remember when i first moved to indiana 
you couldn't buy on Sundays. Yeah. And I was coming from Florida. I'm like, what is this about? <laughs> that and Adult Swim. I had never heard of Adult Swim until we moved off to it. My kids were being told they had to get out of the pool. And everybody's like, what is going on here? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know what this is. So you learn and adapt, right? But, it, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I mean, those are some of the challenges people are seeing. I mean, uh, community is very important, I think, to you guys, right? Very I mean, uh, you know, you, as like I'm involved with my clients' lives, you guys are hopefully doing something here within the community of Westfield. What does that mean to you guys, uh, the sense of community, to be like this place where people can come and share and congregate within the walls of, of Westfield here? I think this this community in this, in this project was first and foremost. Jackie and I moved to Westfield and then this this started taking shape when when we got involved in the community and felt so welcome just after a short time and our, our kids in the school system and I, and just being involved in the community it was like this is this is the place for us this is home right this is the place to kind of take that next step for what we've been talking about for the last you know 10 years you know the community was the like the, the motivating factor we love this place i'm also very intrigued by how um, no, no matter what your role is in your day-to-day, -day, how you can impact someone else's day. So I feel like even from the standpoint of our servers, you know, they can make someone's day better just by having a good dining experience or, you know, sitting down with a really good beer. Or, you know, I, I feel like um, even that can enhance our community in the sense that like, we're just making each other's day better. I know that sounds probably a little cheesy, but um, I feel like at the core, if, if, I mean, we're good people and if you just share good things with other good people good things happen so it seems pretty simplistic but i don't know since we believe opened in back up 100 percent is there have you guys seen kind of nice uptick and it's been amazing fantastic yeah, yeah. very supportive now here's a question i always ask from folks that are kind of they've been in the beer business but become the outside stuff day job so obviously greg you as a surgeon you've been a nutritionist you've been in the thick of it ryan but so owning a brewery it's been a different experience than you thought it would be absolutely i used i used to call I used to call being a surgeon my, my real job, but it's not, it's the day job now because this this became a real job. You know, there's, there's a lot behind the scenes that I wasn't expecting, a lot of work that goes into it. Jackie, Jackie's the, you know, this project wouldn't happen if it wasn't for Jackie because she's like the, the legs of the project, for sure. Oh, we're all a good team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, there's uh, the best places I've seen, the owners have a very symbiotic relationship with the head brewer. I think if there's, you don't have that then there's going to be some some hurdles some roadblocks um and maybe this next question is for you right i mean as you kind of is there a certain amount of beer you want to have going at one time obviously you guys have your staples and you rotate in how many do you want to have consistently be seasonal or come back around or how's that how's that been working uh, i'd like to have at least one seasonal offering each month um with whatever beers we already have um so we have 16 taps yeah, 16 taps total, two of which are uh, dedicated nitrogen. Um, so 14 really taps. Uh, so I try to have those filled. Um, at one time, the first year we were open, I was brewing so much beer to fill those taps that I was, you know, we were told, okay, slow down just a little bit. You know, we don't need to have every single tap filled at once. Because um, I was just producing, 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 and then I, I took a step back, you know, to reevaluate the game plan going forward. Um, I, as long as as we have a good variety, whether it's six beers that that we're being offered at the moment or thirteen beers, um, as long as there's a, a variety, you know, they're not going to be four different hazy IPAs. They're not going to be six different lagers. Um, as long as there's a variety, honestly, it doesn't matter to me how much we have, as long as there's a variety. And 
need something different, you know, to go across a whole palate. Maybe. Um, you have a favorite? Uh, I know that everybody, all the brewers talk about their beers as their children, right? They, yeah, they're, oh, they're all my, I love them all the same. Is there anyone that specifically is like, when I need a, when I'm on my day off, I need to drink my own beer. What's it, what is it? I, I have to go to Night Game Dunkel. Um, any of our lagers, per se, um, but the Night Game Dunkel is just such a special uh, child to put. Um, it's just such a great beer. And I, I love what, what I like to refer to as the Dunkel face. When someone hasn't had one and they take a drink of it for the first time, they go, you know, what's a what's a dark lager? I don't understand what a dunk is. I'm like, well, it's a dark beer. And it's kind of our seasonal, year-round, dark, darker option. Because uh, we have the stouts in the winter, the porter in November usually. Um, sometimes we'll do we'll have a black IPA offering, but our, our year-round dark offering is the night game. And someone goes, well, I don't normally drink a dark beer. I'm like, well, try this. It's, it's the dark beer that isn't, is what I call it because it does have all those dark, rich, roasty malt flavors, but it drinks so clean and so crisp that you honestly wouldn't believe that you were drinking something as dark as it is. So people tend to make a face like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I'm like, yeah, that's the Dunkel face. That's what mm-hmm. I was looking for. And I love that reaction. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to try that one because I did the similar Dunkel face to the Taxman when they did their double Dunkel one. I was like, this yeah. never had that before. That's that's pretty good. And that's definitely try yours. That's the reaction uh, I look for, for sure. Well, I see that you guys have the garden out front, uh, and I'll show the audience everything you guys have in this place, but is there a method behind that, or those ingredients you plan to use within the food lineup that you have? Here? Yes, we do use those inside. Uh, our chef actually has great experience, kind of, we'll call it in the gardening farming world, so he supports our process, but um, yeah, we do, we try to grow what we can out front, and we do utilize that in the kitchen. Uh, we try to do as much from farm to table from local farmers as much as possible either way regardless whether it's from our garden or not so um, that's kind of a foundation of how we want to produce our food here well your food by far is impeccable i mean it's one of my favorite food lineups that i've experienced at a brewery today and i was telling you guys that was food always a part of the original plan to yeah. be food and brew because yeah. i know you guys do coffee in the mornings too yeah. so what was um, kind of the idea behind the whole food pair? I think on the food side, largely um, a way, again, that Seattle experience, they, they do a lot of intentional fresh ingredients out in Seattle. And we walked away from that like, wow, that's not something we were used to experiencing 12 years ago in the Midwest. Um, so that alone, it just felt like we were eating something like your mom would make, you know, like, but um, when you, I should say what your mom would, I don't know, moms these days might be grabbing pizza from the freezer. <laughs> so maybe grandma. No, I don't know. Uh, no, I just meant like the intentional ingredients. Uh, but we do, I mean, we do largely buy from farmers and scratch to support local, but also to avoid, you know, extra ingredients that I really don't think, we really don't think needs to be served at our table. So we do avoid preservatives, um, you know, um, corn syrups, things like that. We uh, accommodate to allergens that people, if they have allergies. So, um, you know, things have evolved where people are concerned about these things and we know that and we want to address that too. So we just want to put a good clean plate that people can feel good about and walk away from a good dining experience. Perfect. I mean, Ryan, when you see kind of the plans that come from a seasonal menu, are you trying to pair the beers that you can talk to kind of the ideas behind the food? Yeah, yeah, in a, in a different sense, but yeah, absolutely. Um, so our, our monthly seasonal offers kind of go hand in hand with the mo- monthly, with the seasonal quarterly menu changes as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, 
I don't want to put a, a nice, dark, thick stout in a summer dish that's being paired with something light and airy from a garden, you know, so. Gotcha. Well, one of the things I've started to see in my discussions and then just see around local is that somebody comes out with a craft brewer idea and then they move from a beer company to a beverage company. And I remember reading earlier that you guys were have plans for a distillery to this side. Is that still something you guys are considering or you just want to stick with the beer for a while? Uh, what are your plans with regards to distilling and or creating more beverages other than beer? Yeah, it's definitely still in, in the back of my mind. Um, still, but COVID kind of put it on the back burner a little bit, but that's exactly the intent of how we how we develop the, the, the campus to having the second facility to actually do the distilling here. It's something that I really want to do still. I think they go I think they go well hand in hand, craft beer, craft bourbon. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah, and using the full cycle of. I'm, Partly an inspiration behind the place was how much can we use byproduct from one process for another. So to use byproduct from brewing to distill is something that um, is what originally inspired the idea to begin with. Yeah. Perfect. Um, you know, I love this courtyard. Uh, was bocce always the the thought process of what you wanted to do in the courtyard, or was it horseshoes, or what? What was behind kind of the idea behind what you guys want to do? In the I'd like horseshoes. I just I'm afraid of the glass on either yeah, side. Understood. Yeah, even Bocce's <laughs> probably pushing that. is a little dangerous yeah. sometimes too. Yeah. yeah, especially when you get kids out here and they don't know. Uh, parents are not looking. They'll yeah. Jack the ball, but yeah, I but think, it was good. No, you good. Yeah, the the intent was always a bocce bocce court. There was a place in Cincinnati that we when we were in college we would go to all the time, Christie's that had four four and five bocce courts, and that's what we did in college. Oh, yeah. Go drink yeah. beer and play bocce. It was fun. I mean, the whole point is just to take time out. What, what can you do that's leisurely at a place like this? So bocce is just our go-to. Sweet. I mean, I was, I was telling you, I set up a bocce ball court in the backyard. Yeah. Me and the fam love playing that stuff. It's good stuff. Um, with regards to some of the other things that you guys have, one of, the, one of my favorite questions I always like to ask, and this is a question I ask clients when I sit with them for the first time, is that if we were decided to work together in three years, what would need to happen either professionally, financially, emotionally, that we can look back on and say our time spent together was valuable? As you guys sit here, coming out of a crazy pandemic year, um, what do you guys envision for field over the next three years that if you accomplish them, you can look back and say, we're definitely on the right track? Do you want to answer that? You want to think? Yeah, so I think, like I, I kind of alluded to it before, we're kind of touching our toes in the water of distribution. So yeah. um, seeing how that progresses over the next three years will be um, exciting. Um, but along with that, we're gonna, we're gonna need some space um, if, if production or if distribution continues, production increases, we're going to need some space, probably primarily for cold storage um, will be our first challenge. Um, we've got we've got room back there for tanks, but cold storage is going to be a challenge. So we might need some space somewhere um, that way. But that'll be that'll be our challenge space and kind of ramping up production. Have you started looking at additional sites that you may? Yeah. 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 There's th this whole area is going to look much different in five years. Um, yeah. The city's the city's planning some things. The state's state's planning some things with that road right there. So this whole area is going to look completely different. So there there might be some opportunities very close by um, to give us that space that we need. Yeah. Coming up this this two lane highway. I mean, you, you know, it's going to have to change at, at some yeah. point. But, yeah. You know, because I remember when the idea of Grand Park was being thrown around. Everybody was like, Man, why is he doing? Yeah. And now it's just like bolts are out there, everything's blown up once you cross, you know, Keystone there. I mean, it's just a yep. completely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's mm -hmm. like, yeah, he's a smart guy. <laughs> he's a smart guy. Travel sports. Yeah, uh -huh. he's, he's smart, smart guy. 
Well, as far as like uh, things around the state, like festivals and stuff like that, do you guys like to participate in those kinds of things? Love it. Do you want to limit your? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We try. We try to take part in almost every uh, festival that we can, beer related wise. Um, the only the only drawback to that is a few of them uh, are planned on the same exact date. Like I can think of one date in particular in September that has legitimately four different events, and it's like, uh, how do you go about choosing? Um, so that that would be the only drawback. But we love, you know, Pax Room has Way Out Festival, which we are definitely looking forward to. Um, we just did uh, Tipton on Tap. Um, we're at Anderson on Tap. We're going to be at Loggers in Lawrence. Um, so we're doing several different ones. We have uh, Forest Park, Noblesville Brew Fest uh, at the end of next week, I think. Um, so we try to be as a part of as many as we can. I think Brewfests even evoke the community aspect of the brew scene, and that's what I love most about them. I mean, partly you're just walking around and, and getting to bond with the people you go with, right? But also from our standpoint, I love being able to go to other breweries and just hit all their beers and meet their staff. And um, that's probably what I like about that scene the most is just being able to, you know, meet the people that drink our beer and to meet the other breweries and see what they're doing. That's fantastic. I went down to uh, Taxman on Death and Taxes Day, uh, which was a fantastic event. It was just the first one I was able to go to coming out this year. Do you guys envision doing something like that here, kind of where you kind of do a, kind of your own day where you're trying to get people to come in on some special occasion, whether you got a brand new beer you want to bring out or something like that? Well, um, we've had our anniversary slash birthday event. Um, some breweries were invited. Uh, Mostly it was more local community, other vendors, um, not just brewing related. But yeah, we haven't gotten to that probably conversation yet, but it's not it's something idea. we would turn down. It's yeah, a great idea. We sure. got space. We got the room for it. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, because I love the, the courtyard. You have ample space. Yep. Um, this was something that came up in my discussion with with Brian Graham at Four Day Ray. Out of the pandemic, he started doing Brian, these. The, he, started, he started doing these igloos. Yeah. And then PAC started doing these igloos. Is that something you guys thought about doing? We did Especially, do it. We did. Ours, ours yeah. Ours, we did I'm, 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 behind the, I'm behind the eight ball there. Is that something that you think will work well in the winter seasons moving forward? Is yeah, the, it was definitely. People I, loved it. People yeah. loved yeah. it. We did greenhouses. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. They're not so, fun to set yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, down. yeah, that part wasn't the best. But uh, but no, yeah, I, people really enjoyed being able. I think this year in particular it was a hit. Uh, just because people wanted the privacy of dining but overall i think it's still a fun experience fantastic well well guys i appreciate your time this has been uh, fantastic to meet all of you uh, i've enjoyed coming here both with my family and just stopping in on the way home from from work to experience what you guys are doing here i think the food's impeccable your beers are great thank you for sitting down and being a part of this uh this podcast but interviews with local brews we appreciate thank it thank you, you yeah. very much thank you. Cheers. Cheers. cheers congratulations to all the fellow Indiana Brewery Cup winners. Absolutely. (laughs) One of my favorites on that list. Perfect. We'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. For the latest on Financial Views with Local Brews, please check out our website at financialviewswithlocalbrews.com. You can also find us on YouTube via our channel there under the same name, Financial Views with Local Brews as well as follow us on all of our social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, where you can like and connect with us throughout the craft beer universe that we're trying to explore here in the great state of Indiana. As always, cheers. The next round's on me. 
and I look forward to seeing you for future episodes. Bye, everyone.